Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope you are doing well whenever you listen to the show, whether it's at night, whether it's during the day, whether you're driving to work, whether you're trying to drown out your kids. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. All right. We are going to talk about a hot topic today. That's right. This is such a touchy topic. Today, we are going to talk about wolves. It's so taboo and it's either you're pro-wolf or anti-wolf and it's just, it's just hot. It's like a hot skillet, this topic. And you know me, I love skillets. I love talking about hot topics on the show. On the show today, I have Tony Seiler. He is from Wolves at Wolf Creek Wildlife Center. He works with wolves on a daily basis and he's been working with them for nearly five years. He actually works with 38 pure gray wolves. So we talk all about wolves, what it's like working with them, but more importantly, we talk just about the controversy. We talk about people who are pro-wolf, anti-wolf. We talk about wolf hunting. We talk about, is this something that should happen? Is it something that we need to do to manage predator populations? We talk about hunters and you know hunting deer and elk and their complaints that wolves are taking all the deer and elk everywhere. We talk about a bunch of hot topics. We also talk about the unique opportunities that people have at Wolves of Wolf Creek Center where you can actually go in with the wolves and have a interactive experience people all over the world do this so we'll give you details on that and you know give you details on what it's like caring for wolves how much they eat in a week which it actually kind of shocked me you have to stay tuned to listen to the interview but I was kind of like wait what they eat that much a week it was pretty cool so you will really really enjoy this interview and please listen with open ears I try to have sound discussions on this podcast i want to see both sides so please listen um just be mindful and just listen with open ears maybe you will learn something all right before we get to that as always please make sure to subscribe to the show on itunes or wherever you listen to the show and please leave a review it's been some time since we had a review so animals to the max podcast listeners i know sometimes itunes is kind of finicky sometimes i don't know why it's so weird it's like itunes is like this great thing but then sometimes they make it difficult for people to leave reviews i've had more people message me and say hey corbin i tried to submit a review but it's not showing up it's this and that so please take the time to try to resubmit a review it helps get the show out there we are in the top 25 nature podcasts in the world this is great i just got the news we are climbing the charts and that's just because of you and um, sharing this with your friends and sharing this with your family I would also like to talk a little bit before we get to the interview about our Patreon page. Patreon, if you are unfamiliar with it, is a way for you to support the show. Um, you guys, this show has just been a labor of love. I have not made a dime off this show. That's not why I created the show. It's because I love to do it. I love to talk to people. I love to get information out there, the good information. I love to spread the wildlife gospel. But you guys, there is money that I've put into the show, including getting new microphones, equipment, web hosting fees. Everything really adds up. And we're at the point where we might have to start having ads on the show. 
With Patreon, it's a way for you to support the show and it's a way for you to get back to the show. All the proceeds go back to it. So if you find value in this show, I encourage you to check out patreon.com slash Corbin Maxi or patreon.com slash animals to the max. There's different membership levels. We have a friends level. We have a best friends level and we have a best friends forever level. And each tier of the Patreon, it's a monthly membership, will give you access to exclusive behind the scenes things. You'll be able to see what's coming up in the podcast. You'll be able to ask our podcast guests questions. You're going to be able to get in the know of like what is going on with everything. You'll also get some other benefits. If you enjoy some of my other content like YouTube, you'll be able to see unreleased YouTube videos. The list goes on. I have to give a shout out to our Patreon, Sean. Sean P joined the Best Friends Forever tier. It's $20 a month and that basically gives her a variety of different fun stuff, including an awesome shout out on the podcast. And Sean will also get a personalized Zoom call with me and one of the animals. So once again, check out patreon.com slash animals to the max. Okay, with that said, let's get to it. Let's talk about some wolves. Please welcome on the show, my buddy, Tony. Today, we're going to talk just about wolves. And dude, I'm so happy to finally get you on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. Dude, I so it's so weird because I know you as Tony Scales and Tails, but then I did a little research and realized, like, man, you have a lot of experience with wolves. Correct, yes. Uh, I have been working with uh, gray wolves at a facility in Indiana for almost five years now. Five years. Oh, man. And, and by the way, can I guess before we jump into the wolves, can you give listeners maybe a brief background about yourself and, and, you know, and also where they can find you on social media? Because, Tony, you're an influencer on TikTok, man. You have a lot of followers on there. I, I definitely um, found out a lot of people like wolves on TikTok and a lot of people like goofy videos with the reptiles that I own as well. And it's uh, it's something that I didn't ex- you know think that it would blow up uh, in, in my side. Um, I jumped on TikTok just for uh, seeing funny videos that my brother and his girlfriend would send me all the time. And I started making a few videos of my own and and I got a lot of attention out of it. And I'm like, oh, this is this is fun. It's a lot of fun connecting with all these other people that are in the uh, animal, the TikTok animal world as well. Yeah. How many followers do you have on TikTok right now? I have almost 930,000. Oh, my God. Almost a million, dude. That is so exciting. You know why I like TikTok? Because the algorithms are so much better than any other social platform. They really are a lot better. Um just reaching out to uh, just all the hashtags. Everything everybody can find things a lot easier too. It seems, and everybody likes to you know you type an animal and it comes up with like all the different types of like videos. And of course, the more uh, the more f- the views of certain videos, the more higher up it get. And then yeah, like you said, the algorithm just seems like it just connects everybody a little bit better. Oh yeah, I do. I'm a huge fan of your TikTok. If you're not following Tony, please go to TikTok and follow Tony. Is it? It's at Tony Scales and Tails, right? Correct. Yes, and that is the exact same as my Instagram as well. Yep, Instagram as well. I love your content, man. So yeah, so just a brief background. Have you always been into animals? 
I have always liked animals in general. Growing up as a, a young kid, we had a few pets, the normal pets that you would have in the household, uh, maybe a cat, a few dogs here and there, but I've always wanted I always wanted something else. Uh, and in like seventh and eighth grade, you know, I tried to make a deal with my mother, you know, if I get all my good grades, I'll get like a pet, you know, rats is really what I wanted. I really wanted a pet rat or just really wanted a pet little little mammal or something to be my little little sidekick, you know, and and that fell through often, but in college, I actually got my first uh, red um, a snake, a baby snake, baby corn snake, actually. And uh, that is basically – that was about 10 years ago, and that – took me into the animal world by force. Uh, a lot of reptile stuff that I've been working with since that snake. And then looking into uh, the wolves uh, that I have been in for about four and a half, five years. And that was just because it's that facility is very local to my hometown and it was very accessible uh, via just driving. So that was uh, something that was just perfect timing too. Sure. And where is your hometown, Tony? I am originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Kind of the tri-state area on the river there, and between Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, and I have moved to Louisville, Kentucky now, about a year and odd months ago. Dude, I love your accent. I can tell you're from Louisville. I like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, well, moving down here, I'd always call it Louisville, and everybody gave me all the kind of crap for it here. And I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to pronounce it right to be able to live here. So it's Louisville. They like to say Louisville. It's Lu- almost like you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not. So it's not Louisville. Could you imagine? They'd probably kill me if I said that. Yes, not Louisville, not at all. <laughs> Louisville. Okay, do I have an accent to you being from Idaho? Not much. It's mm. it's hard for me to pick up on accents unless it's like a heavy accent, like a Boston accent and stuff. Oh. Like I've been to Boston and you can obviously tell. Oh my god, I love the Boston. Oh my god. I need to get yes, someone from yes. Boston on the podcast. Okay. You so, really do. I know, right? Okay, so you're in Kentucky. Let's talk a little bit about the Wolves of Wolf Creek Sanctuary that you work at. Yes. So I am. So we are a nonprofit, 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are strictly run on volunteer work and donations. The donations come from everybody just being very kind and we get money that way. But we do have uh, people friendly wolves that we do face to face interactions with the public as well. Oh. So uh, the it's a donation to actually go inside of the uh the facility and then to to actually be able to pet and get loved on and get kisses from these wolves that we have hand reared ourselves on premises because we do have a breeding program and it just if there's something that is hands-on you just gain a better respect for you know said maybe animal or or a learning experience let's say you're working on a car you can't just read about learning how to fix a car you have to do it you know that kind of thing mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's where our ideologies come from now are these 100 percent gray wolves or are these wolf dogs is there like what are their genetics like so right now we do have 38 animals on property okay uh they are all pure 100 percent gray wolf wow uh, except one of them is a uh a, a shepherd mixed with one and that's kind of how we started uh just about 20 years ago at wolf creek habitat is uh the the owners there uh kathy and terry were seeing a lot of distress in the wolf dog community and a lot of wolf dogs being uh 
given to either given away or in bad uh, places or in shelters and it's a very very quick layover if wolf dogs are not adopted out to different facilities or other homes they are unfortunately euthanized okay. so they wanted to rescue as many of these animals as they could in the immediate area or you know the midwest area mm-hmm. and uh that's kind of how they got started with the education about wolf dog ownership and stuff like that. And then about six to seven years into that, there was a man who kind of retired having cared for uh, a facility that he had. And he had uh, several pure Arctic gray wolves that were donated to us then, as well as a lot of the fencing and stuff that housed them. And that's how we've had pure wolves ever since. Okay, so you've worked with both. You've worked with the pure gray wolves and you've worked with the wolf hybrids. Correct, yes. More so the wolf, pure wolves themselves, since we only do have one wolf dog on premises. Uh-huh. I have worked with him, yes. Uh, I do know a handful of people in the, the wolf dog community as well. A lot of good people are out there, a lot of reputable and smart people. And just on the other end, there are a lot of people that don't know what they're doing in that realm as well. And, and the private ownership of wolf dogs, I mean. Yeah, what are your thoughts? And This might be really controversial, so... I guess, I guess get ready for it. But do you think that people should have wolf dogs as pets or do you think they should just stick with our domestic dogs? It's really however much, uh, information you you learn you teach yourself the amount of research you do and if you have the resources and and the land and the time to actually be able to raise and and connect with these animals because they are not your standard dog in any sense a lot of the times they're very they can be very temperamental they're very free-willed uh they don't listen to commands a lot of the time and it does depend on the content of the said animal as well if you have low contents they are a little easier to handle they're a little bit smaller than the mid to high content wolf dogs as well. So it's just like if you live in an apartment, don't get one. You're not going to have a good apartment after that. Yeah. And but if you ha- yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say same with like people who get huskies and they live in an apartment. It's just cruel. I don't care what I mean. There's I, I don't know. I totally get what you mean. It's like figure mm-hmm. out your living situation if you can care because there's some dogs like to roam and you know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. And it's just like you said in the, the Huskies, those high energy dogs, it's hard to have them in an apartment setting because they do. Then you have all that energy. You need to walk them all the day long and, and just get it out of them or they can become destructive. A lot of animals get bored and then they chew on things or they, you know, they urinate or defecate on things because they, they're bored. Yeah. 100 percent and by the way someone's listening is like i live in an apartment i have a husky like i'm sure it's great you know you like get them out all the time but i mean still, right. you really need land for some of these dogs i have a question so you have one wolf hybrid 38 pure gray wolves is the hybrid like behavior wise temperament like pretty similar to the pure gray wolves it is very similar because he has been grown up and raised with all these animals so he does take on the fact that you know he is we assume so he is one of our rescues we do do rescues as well so he is one of our rescues and tracing back the lineage 100 percent is basically impossible Uh because we found he was found at a shelter so but growing up with 
all the wolves. He has taken on most of the the wolf traits therein, with uh, very being very independent, uh, being very pack oriented menta- uh, mentality, mm-hmm. as well as the diet and stuff is the exact same that we give him, that we give the wolves and stuff like that. Uh, being shepherd mix, he is uh, anatomically just a little different. Uh, he is a little more barrel chested, whereas pure wolves are very thin and slender. And then uh, his hips are j- uh, thankfully underneath him like a wolf and not on the sides like a like a shepherd would. So no dysplasia worry. Okay, okay. And I, oh, interesting you talked about that, about the size of the pure gray wolves, because I'm here in Idaho, and man, wolves are mm-hmm. a touchy topic, dude. Like, it's like, I just was driving the other day, and it's like, smoke a pack a day, there's people just so anti-wolf here, and there's this big... There's this big um, perception that we have these giant wolves from Canada that came down and they're terrorizing neighborhoods and grab your children and your livestock and let, let's talk about the size. Right. So pure gray wolves, depending on – so you're in Idaho, so you're going to get possibly the uh, so the subspecies will be mainly like maybe timber, maybe some arctic that come down from Canada. Sure. Those subspecies are the larger of the gray wolf species. So males can get up to 150 pounds. It's rare in the wild because of the resources that are available. And females are generally maybe 10 to 20 pounds smaller than males are. So – I would say your average wild wolf is going to be maybe 110 to 120 pounds yeah. as a full-grown male. Okay. Uh, life expectancy in general is really only five to seven years because for carnivores, and and this is for any type of carnivore, whether it's a marine carnivore, feline, canine carnivore, it's hard being a carnivore. You know, the uh, you are hunting prey that runs away from you, uh, and stuff like that. Like they don't want to be so it, being a carnivore in general. And having to hunt animals that are anywhere from two to ten times larger than a single wolf is is a very low success rate. So that's where the pack mentality, the pack helps uh, because the size of them really isn't as big as what people really tend to think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. You you go ahead. Yeah. So like. They measure like wolves by a shorter length of uh, from the ground, so it's anywhere between 28 to maybe 36 inches uh, in in height. And like I said, there's that weights. That average weight is probably going to be maybe 110 to 120 for a good size, you know, fed wolf with a lot of resources around. And you mentioned, and I listened to one of your podcasts earlier, how Idaho is very, very controversial with the uh, the wild wolf uh, population there, and as well as many other states are very controversial about this because it is a lot of the fact that we need to protect our family, our pets, our cattle, our you know our livestock, that kind of stuff and whatnot. Whereas it's just it's really funny because a lot of that mentality just comes from an education, like. A lot of people don't understand that wolves. We are we are not on their diet. Our pets are not on their diet as at all, uh, and it's only rare that life gets taken when wolves are literally starving because they can't find food in the immediate area anyway. So mm-hmm. that's where a lot of that uh, unfortunate controversy comes from. I think so, and I think it's. Um... I just, I think it's ignorance. And also, I mean, wolves were here way before we were, you know, it's just, just, I mean, but we eradicated them, you know, over a hundred years ago and now they're coming back and, you know, you just have a lot of conflicts and, uh, what do you have to say? I mean, for instance, I was on Instagram 
And I saw someone who was elk hunting right now because it's, uh, it's elk hunting season. And mm-hmm. there, they just did a short video. And my wife's the one who's actually like, Hey hun, you should check out this video. And I was like, Oh, what is it? And I looked at it and it was just someone filming. And it was just this empty, you know, forest and you could hear wolves howling. And he said, where did all of our elk go? Here's the answer. And he literally just all the wolves howling. And so, um, what do you have to say to like hunters or people who blame wolves for, you know, taking too many elk or too many deer? Well, it's the funny thing is too, because hunters still take during hunting season, depending on where you're at, 95% of those animals that are technically being hunted. So wolves being such a small success rate in hunting, which is about 10%, and that can be two weeks between where wolves will be able to get one of those large kills. And let's say an average wolf pack of six, Um, they get a kill like that, but they go for the weak, uh, the maimed, the sick in elk herds so technically taking out those animals cuts down on disease cuts down on all these other factors that could hinder a herd of let's say elk Mm -hmm. so hunters think that wolves are going for the big burly bull elk bull moose and stuff like that where wolves are like no i don't want to hurt myself i'm gonna go for the really easy stuff so whereas hunters go for the big burly they want the antlers they want the, the points and everything right so it's just it's more just ignorance. It's a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, I have talked with some hunters that are out in Washington State, and actually they love the fact that there are wolves in the you know the the vicinity because of the fact that they get bigger elk, bigger uh, uh, moose um, points and uh, and hunts and stuff because there's a higher percentage of stronger elk herds or moose herds out there, moose family out there. Oh, that makes sense. So. And I feel like, yeah, and it's it's such an oxymoron because they're mad at the wolves, but I feel like hunters should just be mad at other hunters, right? Like for taking out I mean, Basically, yeah. Right? I mean they're yeah. the ones that, you know, take they take the largest percentage of, of animals out there. Um yeah, that's so controversial. I mean, do you hunt? I don't hunt myself. Uh, I do shoot like archery for fun. I do like the uh, the Robin Hood field. And I had a compound bow that I could have used for hunting, but I know nothing about hunting. Yeah. I don't know much about like the laws for you know the people for hunting and stuff like that, season wise and stuff. If I was invited to go hunting, I would go. It'd be interesting, fun time maybe. But I've never. It's something that like I'd have to be invited to do. I'm not going to go out of my way to do it because I have a lot other stuff going on no you mean you mean like elk hunting or wolf hunting (laughs) elk. oh you with what you mean elk hunting or deer hunting deer (laughs) hunting yeah we have the we have white-tailed deer here not not wolf hunting no 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 i would never hunt a a wolf no (laughs) yeah yeah so what do you think about that so it was uh made recent news that the trump administration they want to remove the the gray wolves off the endangered species list throughout all the united states um starting within a couple months and i know in idaho they've been removed i believe montana uh wyoming what are your thoughts on that you think it's a good move I don't think it's a good move just because the fact that when an animal gets taken off the endangered species list, they are open to almost free hunting where there's no uh, no laws, no restrictions on people that can get a number of those animals you know, hunted. Mm-hmm. So when you have something come off the endangered species list, a lot of people think, oh, that's great. They're free. You know, they're good. Their numbers are up. Well, like, well their numbers are going to plummet real quick now, especially controversial topics of like wolves or like – 
cougars or you know the mountain lions stuff like that a lot of people go uh, for them the bobcat because they're like oh they're hunting my sheep you know that kind of stuff so yeah i just i feel like i mean what do you think that we need to have to hunt wolves to control the predator population because that's like a, a very very popular argument that oh we need control or oh there needs to be balance that really does depend on which states and if there are biologists out there that uh, track large, uh, maybe herding animals and stuff like that, populations and whatnot. That'll be a state by state kind of thing. Me personally, a lot of it's just let nature be nature kind of thing. So, how like carnivores versus herbivores work is that, you know, if there is a population, a high population of herbivores and that carnivore population is eating at those uh, those herbivores, uh, eventually those numbers of herbivores will go down, but also the carnivores will go down too. You can't have a surplus of one or the other. Um, it, it bounces each other out, and it goes kind of like by waves, so kind of like, I don't know if you can hear it, my tagus are going crazy right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, I love it. Like, they're like he could. He's looking at me right now. He's like, "Are, are you gonna feed me more?" Um, so but yeah, yeah. The surplus, like, just how, and that goes in all areas of biodiversity in all factions where it's like the big, you know, biomes, the very small ecosystems. You're gonna have predator prey populations. They're gonna fluctuate with the numbers of each one, basically. Yeah, my argument too for those people is like we don't have enough data. Like mm-hmm. we just reintroduced, I mean, like it's very recent, like we reintroduced wolves back in like the, you know, early mid nineties into Yellowstone and they've, some people are, I mean, a few have been here, here and there, but I don't think we have enough data to look like to, to manage them. That's my argument. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, was a couple of your other podcasts mentioned how elusive some of these animals are and whatnot and putting up trail cams and stuff like that to be able to spot these animals and whatnot. Wolves are also very elusive. So it is very hard to kind of track any type of these populations. Now there are, uh, they do dart and collar uh, certain wolves and they do track them here and there. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, you can find a lot of different videos of certain wolves that they do track. There was one popular documentary following the uh, story of Black Wolf. I mm-hmm. believe that is on YouTube. It's about 35, 40 minutes long, and it tracks uh, Black Wolf is his name, and they follow him throughout almost his, his life for at least five or six years. And it was a document uh, documentary on that. Um, you mentioned the reintroduction in 95 for the, uh, the Gray Wolves in Yellowstone Basin. That was – amazing seeing the difference of the biodiversity flourish because predators were brought into a system where they were not at for i believe 30 or 40 years prior and due to them coming in the elk the elk um, population was so dense and large that they uh, ate a lot of the ground vegetation everywhere in the park so a lot of animals that rely on small vegetation for homes or cover and stuff dispersed so having wolves being reintroduced into yellowstone after several years the biodiversity flourished again you know beavers came back they made dams that brought fish species back salamanders everything that ate those so birds of prey other larger mammals and and other larger reptiles and stuff so it's just really cool to see how bringing one animal back to an ecosystem can really benefit that ecosystem uh, uh, the biodiversity in it yeah that's just like keystone species right there yeah yeah and they are considered a keystone species. Yeah, 100%. And also, I mean, so I'm so excited. I, I So we're going to go to Yellowstone for the first time next week. I'm like I'm 
dude. Have Jealous. You been, have you been? No, not yet, but it is definitely high up on my priority list for travels. Dude, I am so excited. But here's the deal, though. Like, on the top of the list, we want to see wolves. And wolves are so important for the tourism industry. When people go to Yellowstone, they want... I mean, wolves, bears, I, those predators are at the top of the list. So when you look at it from a financial standpoint, a living wolf is going to bring in a lot more money, like millions of dollars than a wolf that's shot and killed and skinned and put in someone's house. Right, right. And that is just that the fact that those predators, you know, that you got the bears and the wolves, they still have that that uh, America wild feel that everybody seems to not really know much of and, and miss or they or they read about these animals and stuff and they're like, wow, these animals are amazing. They're just, you know, a quick flight out west. Like we could totally do that. So that's where they, a lot of the excitement, especially in younger generations, as educators like you and I, we really need to get people to learn to understand how important these animals are. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to kind of what to what you're doing at the Wolves at Wolf Creek, the sanctuary that you work at. I mean, so you're able you have 38 of these wolves and basically people are able to go in and interact with them. Correct. Yes. So we do have a breeding uh, program. We don't breed every year. Uh, we would vastly be able to repopulate the entire North America. I swear our wolves <laughs> when so like just how breeding works, like if wolves get a lot of resources, they're going to give you larger litters. And uh, four years ago, uh, just over – yeah, just about four years ago, we did our last like breeding uh, time, and we expected one litter, average size of a canine litter, four to six, something like that. And the expected litter was nine. Wow. And then um, – we had a, a male who was 11 at the time, and he for and he was fixed. Like we do, uh, spay and or uh, vasectomize different uh, wolves to control the breeding. He at that time did not care for his entire life of breeding, and he was always with intact females, and he's intact himself. Uh, he decided that year that he wanted to continue his bloodline. So the oopsie litter that we called it was 11. Wow! Wow! So 11. Yeah. Wow. And do you, okay. So are all those pups, do you, um, do they live at the sanctuary for their entire lives or do you send them off to different facilities for education? How does that work? Cause that's a lot of wolves. Yeah. So out of those 20 that were born, we did have just one stillborn happens. And then, uh, another one was actually, uh, given to, uh, a place called apex protection. Uh, I believe that's the, uh, the name of the facility they're out in California uh, and they do amazing stuff with that. And then, um, they do a lot of education on the wolf dog stuff. So we actually kept the other 18 are still with us. So any animal that we do, uh, breed, and or uh, the rescues they are here for life now in the past we have bred maybe a litter and we've donated to other sister facilities there is another one up in ipswich massachusetts called wolf hollow and they do a lot of really amazing education as well okay and so i'm assuming with all these wolves 38 gray wolves i mean they i'm sure they take up a lot of space Yes, and that's where a lot of the uh, difficulties come from. So four years ago when we had this surplus of of pups and they grow three times faster than domesticated dog puppies do, by winter they're pushing 50, 60 pounds already. They, uh, we had to expand. So that's where a lot of fundraising goes into, a lot of fencing, extra stuff. And 
geographically where we are set up, we have uh, edge of property, we have a creek, hence our name, and a road. And then so we had a, we could only you know expand into one area, which uh, happened to be like the the half of the parking lot basically. So we're working on still trying to get grass in there and stuff. It's just very hard. But so we yeah we expanded. We are at capacity. Like there is we, we uh, there's a lot of them and they they eat a lot and they're all in different enclosures depending on their their temperaments and stuff like that. So we do have I believe 13 different enclosures that house all 38 wolves together. Wow, how big is the park itself? Uh we are it's maybe just a couple acres that the wolves actually rely on themselves. Uh-huh. Like I said the um it's a money thing and a nonprofit. Uh, just the fact that, you know, finances are, are hard for all nonprofits in yeah. general. Oh yeah. You know, the, the thought was back in the day we would have one big open field, a lot of happy, you know, frolicking wolves and stuff. No, a lot of wolves like to be alpha and that hence was a lot of fighting. So that's why we have so many different enclosures too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And it, it, I'm sure it costs a lot to feed them. Are you relying, do you uh, get donations? I mean, from hunters, uh, from deer, elk, um, or do you get like local from horse? I mean, it sounds awful, but from horse meat or what is, how does that work? So most of the meat that we get is white-tailed deer. We do oh. work with uh, three of the meat processors that are in the county there. Uh, so hunters will – they'll bring their game in. They'll get what they want meat-wise out of their, their hunts and then you know keep their own trophies or whatever it is, a buck or whatever. And then we get the discards. So they uh, the processor plants themselves give the hunters the uh, – so it is like a $25 fee if you want your extras incinerated at the incineration plant or it's free if you sign off and say you want to donate to this facility that the meat can go to feeding animals and they're like i don't want to pay the 20 bucks so yeah they get we get all the meat from that basically wow okay good and how much does like one wolf eat in a day so we do feed the wolves uh, twice a week it's uh usually about 30 to 40 pounds of meat per wolf twice a week wait so you don't you, you don't feed them every day not every day, not the meat. So they do get a kibble form of uh, venison bison. It's the Missouri brand, M-A-Z-U-R-I. Oh, yeah, you've yeah. heard of it. A lot of the zoos use it for their exotic wildlife uh, feeding. Sure. So we use that brand, and we kind of go – we have a um, – uh, a program that would go through the Cincinnati Zoo to obtain the pallets of food that we get. Oh my gosh. Very, very cool. So they mm. are very interesting. So they have, so they eat 30 to 40 pounds of per wolf, like per wolf per week. Mm-hmm. That is amazing, man. And they, and they get a kibble every day. That is yes. just, Oh my gosh. That is amazing, dude. That's crazy. So, when people go in with these wolves, how is that? I mean, is that – I'm sure you have some naysayers who are probably like, isn't this dangerous? There are a lot of people that – I wouldn't say – I wouldn't say a lot of people come and they're hesitant. There are some hesitation and some people here and there. Uh, a lot of people are just really, really excited. There are a lot of people that are just like, oh my gosh, this is my dream animal. Yeah. You know, I'd love to, you know, I love to own a wolf, that kind of stuff. And they get to go in, they get to love on these animals. And, and it's just amazing, especially when it's, it's colder. So it's, 
we're open year round and we do urge people to come out in like the winter time or if it's cold or or dreary or rainy that's the best time to come see the wolves because they feel good like it's it's that's their prime time so when it's hot and sunny and stuff they do tend to hide a little bit but when it's winter time it's cold they're jumping up on you they're giving you kisses all over you know they're scent rubbing your head and everything they're just a lot of fun they wow. really are are I, do you just have particular wolves you use because i mean wolves are naturally pretty timid right yes so wolves that have not been socialized like we do our socialization with them since Mm -hmm. birth um they are very timid shy wolves are very non-confrontational animals they're not aggressive in the wild at all they'd rather 99.9 percent of the time run uh when they Mm -hmm. catch a a whiff of you know human smell in the wild and they Mm -hmm. you know they go the opposite direction they want nothing to do with us in the wild and that's because of their high intelligence so they have a self-preservation mindset it's kind of similar to how we know that knives are sharp and they could cut us how fire is hot we can get burned they know like don't jump off this cliff it could hurt you know um stay away from the scary two legs you know us people uh is what i like to say and uh they teach their generation after generation that same concept so they are very elusive to people in general okay okay so the ones you work with from the pups are the ones that people are going in with and having these experiences Correct, yes. So the wolves that are born in captivity and that we socialize with them uh, starting at the very young age that they uh, are then, we do – we love on them. We feed them. We bottle feed them. You know, We teach them how to howl and stuff, and and they grow that connection with us volunteers. Therefore, they have that not as much fear for like guests. And some some wolves uh, that were socialized, they still have a little like, oh, you're a stranger. And some of them are like, I don't care. Pet me. So it's a personality-based thing between them all. Do you have people sign waivers? I'm just like trying to think how this works. <laughs> like, we I'm do sorry. have waivers. Like, I'm not, yes. Yeah, I need to get your insurance policy. No, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm just curious because it's like, my God, it just sounds like such a, a you know, a, just a unique experience. But I'm just like wondering the liability. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do have waivers that people sign. Uh, we actually just got waivers updated within the past year or so and it's it's just kind of funny how they word everything like uh the insurance company how they word it all just sounds like the wolves are gonna eat us and they're not it's just it's really funny yeah absolutely do you ever have to i mean i'm sure you brief people before you go see them do you ever have to tell people like don't be too excited or you're you know what i mean Yes, there's a lot of like quick little rules and regulations and stuff like that that we kind of educate before going in. Uh So like definitely stay very calm. You know, that's why we do have like a – we have a – a height requirement the height requirement kind of goes by age so like we do we ask that you are 60 inches so you're five at least five feet tall oh. and that's also because when they jump up on you they can knock you straight down because yeah. they're wolves how they're built they're all muscle so they're very 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 strong animals and uh also with that 60 inches you're usually in your later teenagers so yeah. uh we don't allow for younger kids to go in because our wolves do like seeing little kids they do it's just like oh can i just pick that thing up and and take it you know (laughs) that's the thing it's so because we do have like a wolf walk we have a big deck that uh can oversee almost all the enclosures so when kids are there and kids are running the wolves are really hyper focused on them (laughs) oh my god oh my god so crazy okay and this is and this is in louisville can am i saying it right louisville 
Well, that's where I live. So Brookville, Indiana oh, Brook, is oh, where the facility is. Yes, it's about an hour and a half okay. uh, southeast of Indianapolis and about an hour west of Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, and I'll put the information down. If, if you're listening and you want to go interact with these wolves, do you have anything else to say about wolves? Maybe like what do you tell people who come in and who like, I hate wolves or we need to kill them or I'm pro you know, wolf hunting. What do you say? Well, first off, we ask them why they have that mentality. So what caused them to have the opinion of wanting to kill wolves or, or hurt them or, or have the, you know, the aggression toward the, that species of animal? And that's what I do for people who don't like snakes and spiders that you know, I have too because that's, that's how you find the root of where their problems or their opinions may lie. So if it's like people that think that, oh, they're going to eat me there. I've seen a movie that that, that – so Hollywood and folklore and whatnot, mythology in some cases, has demonized the wolves just in general. You know, the uh, there's been uh, several movies that show wolves hunting people and stuff, and that's just uh, – wolves don't do that. Um, and, and people get the idea that that's how wolves in the wild really are. And we educate complete opposite of that. Like those are that's Hollywood. They want you to pay to see the movie. That's all they care about. You know, they don't go behind and do a document a documentary on on the wolves before they make the movie. You know. Um, yeah, and so. I and I, I think I, I think it'd be safe to say you're more likely to probably get gored by an elk or killed by a moose. <laughs> yes, yes, and those animals are highly aggressive and very territorial too. So you're more, way more likely. Even even a beaver will run you down. And, <laughs> you're more likely you know, to be attacked to by wolves. a beaver. Yeah, yeah, you really are because those animals have a they have a smaller territory usually, and they're going to defend it. Whereas wolf territories can span a dozen to a hundred square miles, and they'll they'll run away from you in their that territory too. Wow. Yeah. And they don't even, what is their track record? Cause I think the last I checked, they've killed very few people. Um, do you know the exact stats on that? So it's very fuzzy here and there. Different places have different statistics for that, sure. but like all in all in the last hundred years in, in, uh, United States, there have been only two documented healthy wolf, like, uh, killing people okay. and that was one of them was a broken had a broken jaw they found out um oh. and he was starving he actually attacked it was a camper and i believe that may that was somewhere out northwest okay. and then uh, that's where it all that's where the wolves are but yeah that's uh, another one was uh, a wolf that i believe was trapped it was in a snare trap that was i think they were going for mountain lion or something in the area and um i think it actually bit that artery that's in your arm right here and the guy bled out before he could really get to the hospital and stuff so i think that's really what it was wow um, so it wasn't like these wolves actively hunting humans not at all and if you have something like a broken jaw obviously prevents the wolf was probably starving it's going to be hard to get something like a deer or an elk i mean i mean we're a a naked a naked monkey is a lot easier than something like that you know what i mean correct and i believe even that yeah yeah and i believe even when um are we still good something popped up on me oh yeah oh yeah yeah we're doing great man okay cool um yeah so the uh I think even that guy was like maybe even roasting meat over the fire too. That's the kind of what the wolf was going for, I believe too. So, oh, yeah, he man. had an active dinner going on or something like that. 
Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's very, very rare. Awesome. Do you have any other advice maybe for people who want to work with wolves or um, maybe something fun that we don't know about them? Because I mean, I've never, I've worked with wolves like very briefly and it wasn't like, it just, it was for a brief TV segment. So anything fun, like that we should maybe know about wolves that maybe we wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, people that want to work with these animals definitely just get a an education in some type of like biology, go into mammalogy, and then you can study. I'm sure in in the smaller bits you can get into like carnivore studies, stuff like that. Uh, just being able to find a facility that's local or at least decently local to you, because there are plenty of wildlife facilities in the United States uh, and just being able to just google search find the closest one and a lot of those places they hurt for volunteers like we we always hurt for a good steady volunteer um list and we always as long as you are you know you abide by rules and regulations and and you're willing to learn and then spit out everything that you learn to the public that's our biggest thing is education if you're good at talking to people and and good with learning then we will definitely love having you. So there's just a lot of places like that that you can go into and search and and most likely volunteer. And and some of those places might even uh, give you a a, a wage too, which would be awesome. Right, absolutely. And then what is some fun thing that that you work with the wolves that like maybe most people know about them or a fun fact or just anything to leave the listeners with? It's just the fact that the personalities that I see in all the wolves are all so different, and some are a little more skittish, but there's a bunch of them. They're, they're just really goofy animals. They really just want to be respected and loved and, and loved on by the ones that we have, but also in the wild, they just want to be left alone. So, I mean – just admire them at a distance or if you come to a facility like this and you get to experience how goofy and fun loving and and how much and how how dog-like these animals can really be because it is a lot of fun working with them and they just they love the attention that we give them and everything like that that's awesome tony thank you so much for taking the time and i actually want to have you back on the show maybe down the road because you have because i because i know you for your work with reptiles (laughs) definitely yeah so i'd love to do that but once again tell my listeners where they can follow you yeah so follow me on instagram and tiktok that is at tony's tales and scales everything is uh, separated by underscores and i do have a, a somewhat professional page that i'm growing on my facebook you can just look up tony uh tony siler there and then eventually uh when i'll be moving out of an apartment into a house come this winter i'll be working on getting a youtube channel up as well so just follow me uh, eventually when i get that started too Dude, that's awesome. And where do you see TikTok going? Do you think it's still going to be banned? What do you think? I'm just hoping that I can hit a million followers Dude. by the time it gets banned. Like that's my end goal. And it's been a grind. It's I don't know if the algorithms have changed recently, but it's been a very slow rising lately. Dude, I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. Like in the last, I think honestly, when when Trump said the TikTok ban, I swear to God, I've seen my views completely dive like not yeah and not in a good way like dive like what what happened exactly and and i don't know if you go live on tiktok often i, I do. used to quite often but you see probably maybe even less people on your lives and stuff dude i know and i got banned i've been banned a few times oh i get banned every time i bring a snake out so that's that's common do for you me. really are you serious oh, yeah. people I'm ban serious. you 
Oh, yes, yes. They bring I bring a snake out. I'm talking about this harmless ball python here, and then I see, you know, that little warning, you're doing behavior or dangerous behavior. Please divert your, your live stream. And I'm like, thanks, guys. What? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my. just people that, yeah, people jump on there and they report you or they report your live for just not liking a snake. So that's kind of how it works or whatever that you are doing at that time. Well, you know what? I want to say thank you on behalf of the animal community for spreading the good gospel, the good wildlife gospel, because dude, you're almost at a million followers and that's awesome. Like just the fact that, I mean, even with snakes and spiders and wolves, I'm so happy you're doing that, man, because so many people are scared of them. And then when they look at a TikTok video of yours, it's like, oh, they're really not that bad. And that's, and actually when I saw your wolf TikTok video, which I thought was so well done when it was like, this is what people think of wolves. And you saw, you saw these scary <laughs> images and then you were like, this is what they're really like. And it's just like licking your face. And I was like, oh man, this is, oh, it's great. Yeah, I've always been a lot more uh, attracted to like misunderstood animal species. So that's why I've really honed in and, and that's why I love them so much. I like to get their, the attention out there that these animals really are not the demonized from the, you know, the movies or folklore mythology, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I really like to do is work with those misunderstood animals. Sure. Well, here it is, dude. Uh, good luck to hitting a million. I know you're going to do it. And I'd love to have you on the show again to talk about some reptiles because that's where my true love, my true passion is. So uh, I would love to get you back on the show down the line, man. Definitely. I appreciate it. Just hit me up whenever you want to do that. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.